Oh. Did yeah. you just get the uh, the egg from the kids, or just uh, work? I or? mean, it just it just developed from whatever. I don't know what what it came from. Yeah, uh, had a cough for like two and a half weeks, and then all of a sudden my chest just started feeling like anytime I coughed, it just felt like I was getting stabbed. Yeah. So uh, at first I thought like I did something in my ribs, so I was like, oh, it'll go away. And then like after a week, I was like, could barely get off the couch. I was like, oh, maybe I should go to the. Maybe I should go to urgent care. <laughs> and they they took some x-rays and they're like, why did you wait so long to come here? <laughs> I was like, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Now I'm on day six. Antibiotics. And, uh, yeah. All I can say is pneumonia sucks. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. My name's Matt. I'm joined by Jack and Dave. And today we're going to discuss my favorite topic of the year, most hated games of 2023. Before we dive into that topic, though, we like to go around the room, check in, see what guys have been playing. So, Dave, you want to start us off? What have you been playing lately, bud? Oh, man. Do you guys want to take a wild stab at it? Or, I mean... Should I just like throw it out there? I think I'll just throw it out there. Uh, just been playing more Monster Hunter World, uh, getting better with the Great Sword. Um, still a lot of fun. You know, I feel like like I'm getting better at using it, so it's definitely paying off as far as like um like the the gratification of the hunts. So, uh, I think last time I talked to you guys, I was at. 808 i'm at like 878 now so i've definitely pumped a lot of time into it but um i'm definitely going to uh start focusing on Baldur's gate 3 here they just had a huge update um added some like 3000 new voice lines so i kind of feel like this is similar to disco elysium where um even though disco elysium was a glitchy mess at the beginning once the final cut came out where they kind of solidified what add-ons they were going to do and like patch up holes uh it became a much better game so i don't want to say Baldur's gate was a bad game when it came out but i think i'll be playing a much better cleaner version of it um plus i'm getting a new tv on the 8th and it's geared up it's geared up for video games so like i'm gonna be playing like you know I'm going to be rocking my PS5 on like a TV that's like very much capable of handling it. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked and I'm looking forward to December. So, well, right now I'm checking out Spider-Man two, Dave. Uh, I wasn't really going to bring it up because I haven't finished yet. They'll do most of my talking about it next week, but I wanted to say, uh, I think you sold it. The, the jump in tech, a little short when you gave us your feelings on that game. And I'm very curious if you check it out after you get this new TV, if you're going to feel a little bit differently Um, because swinging through the city, like the amount of detail, it's one thing when you're standing still, but when you're going full flying force through the city and you can still make out like all this world that they've built, whether it's people on the ground the architecture, just the little things that Insomniac has thrown all over that game. It's it's really 
damn impressive. But um, beyond that, I uh, I played a game I was really been looking forward to for years, Talos Principle 2. Uh, one of my three favorite puzzle games of all time was the original, and it took uh, like seven or eight years for the second one to come out. But I was also kind of apprehensive because so many times you just get disappointed when they, you know, release sequels. So I, you know, I downloaded it pretty much the hour it dropped and got into it. And wow, I had nothing to be afraid of because this game just completely pulled me in for, you know, I I basically played the entire game, solved every puzzle without looking up anything online. Um, some to my detriment because some of those puzzles are not even puzzles they're more like searching for a needle in a haystack kind of like the optional ones which i didn't realize were optional because i'm i'm a dumbass um but holy moly the, this world that they've created it's it's on unreal engine 5 speaking of the spider-man tech different game engine but man this ps ps5 can just really display some beautiful graphics and you're going through this world it's separated into 12 different like areas and every single area is absolutely stunning to look at. They have these huge like structures that they built into this game. And it just, it's so satisfying. You go from basically like little puzzle area to puzzle area. They've, they've got a different mechanic for every single area. So nothing like mind blowing as far as, as like something I've never experienced before, but a lot of like, really different ways of doing puzzles that I've seen in other games, whether it's like combining colors, um, whether it's, you know, I mean, shifting gravity, those kind of things. There's a, there's a million different examples. But anyway, this, this game was awesome. I loved it. Um, and uh, I'm just super stoked because there's DLC coming out. And, and one of the things that I wish this game was, was a little bit more difficult. And that's really what they did in the DLC for the first game is they they uh, they just kind of upped the complexity of the puzzles. And I, I, I watched an interview, and basically that's what they said. They're like, we saved we saved the really tough stuff for the DLC. So I'm I'm excited because man, so satisfying going going through this world and just punching out puzzle after puzzle. And um, yeah. Uh, Outside of a couple very strange game design choices, <coughs> one shoot. I might as well bring it up a little bit later today, as long as uh, we're on my least favorite pod of the year. Uh, well, anyway, I'll pass it off to you on that note, Matt. You have a rating for that one, Jack? Or yeah. Um, well, I feel weird because I've been handing out nines like candy this year, uh, but I can't help it. I mean, I just keep playing. I, I this this is by far the most depth i've had for great games in a year really ever um i just keep on finding really exciting um interesting titles and uh making my best uh, top five at the end of the year incredibly difficult (laughs) well i would explain why this is your least favorite part of the year would be that you have to rack your brain in order to come up with most hated titles as opposed to me you know the dung defender who has countless titles to cycle through um, of the 30 I've played thus far this year. Um, had a pretty rough, uh, rough couple of weeks, boys. I lost uh, another pet, my beloved cat, Bubbles. Um, that's a shame when you get a bunch of animals all around the same age. 
they all get old together. Uh, but Bubbles was street cat. He was 20 years old and, you know, he fought like hell for a long time, but after a while you realize, you know, you spend so much more time just giving him medication and doing all the going to the vet and stuff that it was that time. So we had for a great time, you know, like I said, he spent half his life on the street and the other half, we gave him a nice, warm, loving home. So tip my cap to my buddy bubbles. He was right along with me for the ride. I had these past couple of weeks, uh, finished up star Wars fallen order. Um, Definitely, like I said, the, the guts were there for a great game. And Jack, that's why I'd be interested to see what you think when you eventually play the sequel to it. Because I do th- see how they could build it into something fantastic. It was a um, not my favorite title. I'd give it probably like a seven uh, in terms of overall enjoyment. Again, some of that's because it's older. Some of that's because I'm just not the end of the Star Wars thing. The ending was pretty neat. Unfortunately, it's been spoiled by a number of memes online. So if you spend any time on, you know, Reddit or anything like that, you probably have seen the ending sequence. So um, I could spoil it for you now, but like I said, it's, I'm sure you've seen it already by this point. Um, so 7.5 for that. So obviously going through the morning process, I wanted to hop into something that was going to help take my mind off of things and figured, you know, I've been sitting on Alan Wick, the remaster for a while and hearing that the sequel is, you know, nominated for game of the year. I, I had to get an idea for why this game is considered so great because, you know, Control, uh, Jack and I have discussed, um, you know, it, it was an interesting game. I see why people liked it. I don't see why it was considered this like all time amazing thing. Uh, Alan Wick felt very much the same. Uh, it, you know, there's some cool mechanics and I say that with a caveat that it's over you know, an over 10 year old title at this point. So there's certainly going to be aspects of it that aren't that great. Um, you know, it's fun setting, interesting story. I did like the combat because it manages, you use a flashlight, you have to stun the enemies to weaken them, to make them vulnerable. Then you can use your gun. What's neat about that is it forces you to use basically all the buttons on the controller. Cause some buttons control the flashlight, some control the reloading the flashlight, some control your gun, so on and so forth. So, um, you do a nice smooth rotation consistently of all the buttons, despite having a pretty simple formula to it. Main campaign, pretty boring. I'd give it a seven as well. However, what really kind of piqued my interest for Alan Wake 2 is the DLC, which was included with this remastered version I played. Now, the DLC sounds more in line with what Alan Wake 2 is. And again, I haven't played it yet, so I, I don't know for certain, but... It just goes completely off the rails. All that simple formula I talked about that's in the main campaign just is completely turned upside down. The setting is completely reversed. All these characters you run into start distorting and you see different like nightmare interpretations of them. Really cool experience for, you know, an extra three, four hours of gameplay. Uh, so the DLC actually bumps it up to, I would say, an eight, eight, almost 8.5 for me. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's still the same basic mechanics and it's still a little dated. But uh, the storytelling is top-notch for those two DLCs. And definitely, uh, like I said, it's rare that I'm usually such an opponent of the concept of DLC, let alone the um, fact that such a substantial part of the gameplay experience needed to be unearthed through playing these. And I wonder um, if some of the initial... Uh, mediocre ratings for the first Alan Wake. I, I know that it's been boosted now with, with the credibility and being remastered and all, but when it originally came out, I remember it being kind of a middling 
title. And I think some of that may have been because it was lacking this extra layer. So um, if you play it, definitely recommend the DLC. And I, I have a feeling that's more in line with what the sequel is all about throughout the entire experience. So I, I'm definitely intrigued by that one. I'm going to have to uh, keep an eye out for a sale for certain. All right. Well, with that all being said, let's dive into the heart of the matter. Like I said, boys, this is most hated of 2023. Now, normally this is just reserved for most hated games, except for Jack and Dave are actually somewhat connoisseurs here and strive to actually not waste countless hours into dog shit titles. So I can't guarantee that they either of them would be able to formulate a true list of terrible games for 2023. So instead, I figured this is a great opportunity to kind of hop around and maybe discuss components of the various titles we played that just stand out in your mind as most hated. Such as, for example, like if you pick up a title where the whole premise is supposed to be that you're the undead warriors in heaven searching for a way to escape, <laughs> and yet it's presented with the absolute worst plot line that's like, Seems seemingly written by an AI that has done nothing but observe horrible American dubbed anime for the past 20 years. Imagine what kind of a title you're going to get. Well, you know, I'd have to say by far and large, the worst, worst plot I've played all season actually surprisingly wasn't neon white. <laughs> I believe that with the teaser, but no. <laughs> The only thing that could have topped that was Wolfenstein Youngblood. It's not even close. Like, you took a cherished franchise to me that I actually thought had done a fantastic job of evolving to modern standards. And lo and behold, what did they do? They turned in some horrible, constantly online multiplayer experience where there really is no plot. They just took the main character, made him disappear, and all of a sudden you are in control of one of two very generic characters and... You would figure, like, when a plot, when the central point of a plot is just running around killing Nazis, you can't make that interesting. To me, that is an absolute total failure in every regard. So, uh, you know, I have to say, tops of the shit list, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, in terms of uh, horrible plot, nothing can compare, despite some awful titles, ex- storylines I've experienced this season. Was a lot of that from the script, or... Was it just like a poorly designed like experience? Um, Jack actually mentioned this early on uh, in a different recording, but really like it's so inconsistent with the tone. Like the first two uh, modern Wolfensteins that came out, the first one was incredibly dark. Um, and the second one kind of switched it and got more of a kind of Tarantino, like dark humorous kind of setting. And I thought they were going to kind of continue on that trajectory. And this kind of reverts into some weird realm where there is no plot. And the only plot points you get are the characters seemingly supposed to be these innocent young girls caught in this horrible fray. But then once you assume control of them, you're running around blowing away Nazis as if you're a seasoned, you know, veteran because you have some power suit armor that apparently makes you impervious to everything. And, And because you went hunting with your dad when you were a kid, you can snipe anyone from miles away and so on and so forth in its defense game of the year contender spider-man 2 mary jane doesn't even have a super suit and she pretty much does everything that you're talking about so she's just about the most powerful character in the game (laughs) 
<laughs> Whereas it takes Spider Man like ten punches sometimes, like Mary Jane maximum two, <laughs> like a sh- a shot and then a kick to the knee, and like everything falls before her. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that stun gun is that's that's military grade. Why Spider Man doesn't have one? Who knows? <laughs> you know, Mary Jane has one. I like it. Yeah, Miles Miles has got super electric powers, but they don't get shit on that MJ stun gun. <laughs> um so yeah, so Youngblood just ended up being disappointing for you as well. Yeah, it it was a game designed to be played over online with a friend, and the only joy you can get is doing that on a mic together. But uh, even then, it's a pretty basic shooting game, and I think you could have countless hours of fun with any any other one that doesn't just have to take uh, again a beloved franchise and just turn it into just more of the same. Yeah, they really didn't like try and even market that as like a mainline Wolfenstein. And it's kind of like you said, like the the first two games, the ones you mentioned, they have so much personality. The characters are so vibrant. The uh, both both the heroes and the villains just really are are kind of like shine bright. So it's kind of crazy that they made a game where you're just dealing with a protagonist who is so you know. Yeah. Uh, any other characters jump out to you, boys, for worst of twenty twenty three? Worst characters? Worst um, character? I, okay. I mean, yeah, Neon Violet is an absolutely atrocious character, Matt. I agree. Um, that storyline is very disappointing, considering how amazing that game is. I'll uh, just say that it's all skippable. And I told you that before the game started. I said, just hit the fast forward button. You are not beholden. Just because I'm making you do a pod on this, skip right through. That's not why we're here. But Matt, you, you just, you couldn't help yourself. You just had to experience the waifu. And uh, I, I don't know. That's That sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Yeah. I gotta think about that. Uh, let's see. Um, no, you know, I want to say maybe there might be a character in Final Fantasy 16, but it's not like they're written poorly. It's they're written that way. So it's really kind of hard for me to like want to knock on it. But yeah, there's some kind of cringe moments. But yeah, no. Um, I think Matt's going to be carrying this episode more than Jack and I. Um, I feel like I've had a pretty solid run of games this year. Um, so, you know, and I think the great aggregator is probably going to call me out on some of this stuff. But, um, you know, I got Final Fantasy 16. I have Diablo 4 and I have Telltale's The Expanse. Like th- those in that order are kind of like the worst to the best but i i think final fantasy 16 i'll just talk about it get out of the way like that that just was an experience that was so inconsistent the pacing was off uh you know the funny thing is i mentioned how like you can't customize any of your characters and all this kind of stuff the skins were pretty weak i guess they added a dlc that adds that in 
So, I mean, I think they're pretty conscientious that, you know, this game's like a bit stripped down and they kind of went one direction and then it just didn't end up working that well. So uh, they've tried to correct ship, but um, yeah, that, that game was probably like one of the weakest games I played this year. Um, despite amazing boss battle moments, despite an amazing first hour, like once you have to like play through it, it's just the pacing is horrible. So it's like moments of intensity followed by long moments of boredom, you know, and tediousness. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I can think of a few titles we've played like that in particular, there was one where, you know, it was mainly a shooter base and you'd figure you don't get bored playing a shooter because, you know, high paced action all around, but after a while, it's just so repetitive and it's same thing over and over. And it just gets, gets drilled into your head so many times. It's like, God, I don't know if I can stand going through this, but somehow you manage to persevere despite the fact that it drives you nuts every time. And that's just cause four. Um, I know it's highly heralded in many circles and, you know, maybe, if you hadn't played some older titles where it's constantly like blowing up an environment, you can destroy everything, then it would be novel. But I just got really bored with that one. I really hated the fact that I had to go through and see the whole campaign through uh, deals. You know, that includes DLC and all. Your intro, I totally thought you were cir- circling back on Neon White. <laughs> I was like, you mother. <laughs> Dave, I threw you off. I, I didn't mean to say characters. Was there any were there any plots uh that stood out to you that you played of all the titles this year that just kind of irked you, irritated you, bothered you? Yeah, that leads me that leads me into Telltale, like the expanse. So I was super excited about this. Um I had played I forgot which one. I think it was the Batman Telltale. And it wasn't bad. Like, I understand, like, what these games are, and they're not exactly, like, you know, going to win awards for writing, but The Walking Dead did pretty well. And either way, I love the Expanse, you know, universe. So this was an opportunity, and uh, the actress that plays the main protagonist, Kara Gee, she, you know, revises the the role, the voice, and there's a few other people that show up. I think there's going to be a DLC and it's going to feature another star within the show. So I'm going to give it a shot. Why not? <clears throat> but I felt like this was supposed to be a prequel leading up to the series. And um, I just felt like the whole thing was handled pretty wrong. They, I felt like they tried to twist her into the story to somehow like justify making this video game like i felt like they're like oh we're you know we had to pick up the expanse license or something like that or is offered pretty cheap they pick it up you know and then it's like okay we got a space game like how do we like you know try to fit the story around it so um basically she squares off against some pirates and uh before the first mission is you just walking around the ship, getting to meet everyone and, you know, like kind of get your surroundings and tutorial. But then you have this giant spacewalk that you got to do. And initially it's a pretty cool experience. And uh, until you realize like the whole plot is just pretty much a tutorial in space, but spread out over a wrecked ship, you know? So it's like, Hey, you know, this, 
I've done this already. Like, why am I doing all this stuff all over again? So, um, I just, I just felt like the plot was pretty horrible for the game itself because it didn't really offer anything new. And it seemed like it was just trying to create some sort of drama or action scene for that character to be involved with. Um, and I think they would have been a lot stronger if it took place way before the main series did because, you know, they could have detached a lot of stuff, but I think they were just attaching stuff from the series into the game just to get people to, you know, like get, want to get involved into it. So, um, voice acting was great. Um, there's some pretty fun moments in there, but I'd say like the overall experience is that it was just like a pretty poor story. And that's supposed to be the strength of a telltale game is it's like characterization and story and, you know, your experience going through that. So, um, there's some other things I could complain about, but in direct reference to worst plot line, like that's where, you know, that really kind of stood out for me in this year's hater segment. So. Jack thoughts on plot line. I played skip. so many good, so many good narrative stories this year. I got nothing but charming things to say, so I'll save it for another week. Fair enough, Dave. You know, you kind of touched on some things when you were talking about just your experience with the expanse. Um, it kind of reminds me, like you know, obviously, I, I'm always going to be a fan whenever Japanese culture is on display. You know, a, a extra usually gets a good point five boost from me. But every now and then, it's the display is just over the top, so much so that it's so obnoxiously in your face. And it, it just feels like it's grating to the point where, you know, I, I don't know if it's just overkill or maybe it's just me getting old. Um, and ultimately, I think really, honestly, what it comes down to is me getting old. Um, I really, one of the titles I would say that made my list that I enjoyed the least this year was definitely going to be uh, Dragon Ball, the fighting game. And I know that that's an excellent rated title critically and has a great community of followers. I just realized that the combat style to it, I just couldn't pick up. And that's the first time I've ever experienced that in a fighting title um, in many, many years of playing games. And I think it's just for a completely different generation. And um even though I grew up with some bits of Dragon Ball, I was never a huge fan of it. So I don't think I was lured in by the nostalgia factor. But um, definitely I was surprised that that one made my list of titles that jumped out to me is kind of didn't di just didn't hit. You know, it, it just didn't connect. Um, and again, I, I blame that more on my age and probably being out of touch with things than, you know, being egregiously over the top uh, anime style. Yeah, I got to say, though, Matt. One theme I've noticed from you since we started this pod is I feel like you have like this desire to go back and kind of get into this genre you used to love, the fighter genre. And over and over again, you are disappointed by the games you run into. And I mean, you just said it, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, it's maybe it's the age. But I do think there's just something I, I think something in you has actually changed. So, some part of you does not enjoy these games the way they used to whether it's you're not willing to give the commitment to kind of pick up on the, the, you know, the tuning of the games, or maybe you're just slow and old and feeble. Uh, that could, that could definitely be part of it. But um, I don't think you've been excited about one fighting game since this pod started. And I think you've probably played about half a dozen of them at this point. 
It's an excellent point, but to be fair to the fighting games I've played, I have yet to play one when it launched, and I have yet to actually participate the way you need to, which is essentially the same as an FPS these days. Like, you basically need to get a season pass, you need to be there at launch, and you need to actually be building your skills from the, the jump. And I think that's actually where that disconnect lies, because because of our age range, we grew up in a time where everyone was kind of coming to games at different times because now everyone had systems or now everyone had access to them consistently, or they were only available in the arcade. So you only got limited exposure. Now, like so many of the folks who take this stuff seriously are getting in from right at the jump. So, and they played all the previous iterations and they're aware of all the stuff they're studying frame rates are doing all that stuff. And that's that level of gaming that I think I'm just old and falling off from, you know, it's very much like, you know, if you gave me a title years ago where it was had a rocking house soundtrack that was constantly playing in like a very fast, crisp gameplay and shooting elements added to it and you could reset it on a drop of a dime in a heartbeat, that's a 10 out of 10 right at the gate. I play it now that I'm in my 40s. Uh, you know, it, we're probably going to knock that one down a few pegs. I'm sure the aggregator can remind me where I ended up with Neo at Neon White. But, you know, more so, it's just very much one of those things where, you know, our tastes change with time. And, and one of the cool things about the pod is being able to go back at and kind of observe things like that in patterns. So thank you for bringing that to our attention, Jack. A very respectable 8.5. It may make my list of most hated and most club games <laughs> of 2023. We'll just say that. Um, I got a question for both of you guys. Is there anything about the industry that, you know, kind of put you off this year? Um, number of things, to be honest. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's hard to complain about it, given that it's also going to be an amazing year for gaming. I mean, as we've discussed in multiple topics in our, our Game of the Year award, discussions uh two times over so um i don't like the direction it's going particularly with sony uh so if anything that my biggest complaint right now is actually sony's entered into the realm where i i'm actually upset enough with them where i may not continue to utilize their products in the next generation whenever that may be particularly the controller debacle that we've discussed I, i've gone through two one of them was actually factory re- manufactured again through warranty and they keep crapping out and everything i've read about them is it sounds like there was a major design flaw hopefully it's been addressed but that that bothers me from years and years of gaming to now have this be a consistent issue that we've all encountered my third controller just started uh drifting what the hell was that Fat ass firework. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I want all to all the thousands of listeners we have. Uh just heard like a loud boom coming from like Jack's uh, side of the video screen. So yeah. I love the zero reaction. That's a seasoned father who's seen some shit right there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The no flinch, just like it's almost like he's a dad from Calvin and Hobbes, you know? <laughs> so like, it's, almost, just... it's almost like I'm in a two-week cough-suppressant fog. <laughs> the Mucinex has dulled all my survival <laughs> instincts. That's how it's going to get you, Jack. 
Um, so sorry, we got derailed by like a loud noise. Um, as simpletons often do. Uh, we <laughs> so were talking third, about the controllers. And so the most exciting third. thing that's happened in the pod so far. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, ouch. Uh, so third controller, Jack. That's that's brutal. I've gone through two. Dave, how many have you gone through? One so far. One. Yeah. yeah. And seventy bucks a pop. I mean, I guess you can get them for fifty now, but still, that's pretty damn ridiculous. Dude, they're so expensive. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And like a sucker, I got two more for the kids waiting in the. Uh... Waiting in the uh, under the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, dude, you got him some controllers. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well played. What about you, Dave? What were your issues with the gaming industry in 2023? I think it's with uh, like Sony. Sony's like stance all of a sudden is turned from like I think it's a lot less gamer friendly. And a lot more understanding that it's got the lion's share of the market. So it can really kind of like start to do what I think like a corporation is going to do, which is try to make a shit ton more money than it possibly, you know, should probably need to. Um, that's just my opinion. But yeah, like basically they've defeated Microsoft, you know, like Microsoft spent a shit ton of money trying to defend their purchase of Call of Duty to the point where they still have to share Call of Duty, you know, which is like huge and would be a huge win for Microsoft if it could be an exclusive. Like that would change, I think, a huge tide in the marketplace. But, you know, like I said, Sony's fought hard enough to get it so that somehow they get to share this shit and they don't share any of their stuff with Microsoft. And then on top of that, the the sudden like increase in the price of the monthly service and um i feel like the controller design is probably like more a necessity of like lowest common bidder on that kind of shit like um you don't get that you're not hearing this stuff coming from microsoft's like controllers because you know they were like shit we need to really like step up our game so is what we're going to do is put a lot of money into research and development and make sure that we have a good controller rolling out well when sony knows that they're going to crush microsoft just gonna push back slightly on a controller that you have to put double A batteries in if you want well, to play wireless. That's a contractually stupid design, like not so much a design flaw. And I don't know. I just I just feel like Microsoft knows that they won with the PS4 and now the PS5 having dominated their respective generations. Um, yeah, I think Sony's kind of gonna start like like you said like this might be your last generation. Like, I don't know if I'm willing to say the next one, this one's my last generation, but like Microsoft looks like a pretty solid option at this point, you know, like a lot of good games come out on game pass, you know, it's like something to take a look at. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm thinking PC master race, if I'm going to make the leap to something else, but um, my other issue with what Sony's done to, um, or it, honestly, less. It's not just Sony; it, it's all the companies. But um, twenty twenty three seemed to be pretty bad for this. Was um, all the exclusive rights contracts that are starting to get doled out that I think don't bode well for the future of games. Just in that, like, it's going to be very frustrating. Like knowing that some titles are going to be exclusives that 
under any other year would have been, you know, available multiple console and everyone could kind of enjoy and appreciate. I mean, I'm not losing sleep over missing out on Starfield. I'm not going to lose sleep over missing out on Call of Duty titles. But it seems like inevitable that it's only a matter of time before another company like a FromSoft or something gets like snatched up by Sony and then both parties are depriving one another of just great video games. And and that to me sucks because I think you see, you know, the one that I think we all agree will probably win game of the year is Baldur's Gate 3. And a huge part of that is because folks from all different consoles got to experience it and computer and had an amazing experience and time and got to share those experiences with one another. And that to me is, is a huge part of gaming that I think is, is really going to suck if it's, you're limited to console only experiences uh, based on whichever exclusive deals are in place. Jack, do you have anything to add? Well, there's been a lot of um, stories that have come out this year that make me, you know, hesitant to be happy about where the industry's heading, you know, from layoffs to, um, you know, questionable business practices, but it's just tough for me to comment because that's really something I don't, um, I don't do a lot of reading about. I think there's a lot more people who, who could talk a lot more eloquently than I about it. I'll just say um, two notes. One, it's always sad to see that, um, you know, and two on the flip side, it's kind of nice that um, the media is starting to take this industry so seriously that there really is kind of more of a spotlight on some of this, um, some of these negative uh, practices or, you know, I, I can't say which layoffs is, is ethical and which isn't because, you know, you don't, I, I just don't know the industry well enough to comment on that, but it, it's good that somebody's kind of looking out for, for this industry because it, it does, it definitely feels like one of those um, industries where you have so many people who want to work in video games that, I think they tend to get taken advantage of more than a lot of different industries where it's maybe not as, um, you know, you know, it's not, it's not as exciting to go into other industries. And and, and therefore it's good to see that um, there's, there's kind of a, a, a larger um, spotlight being, being cast upon that. I think that's an excellent point. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, all, almost all entertainment industries are always, have been notorious for throughout all time of, of taking advantage of young impressionable folks who are interested and excited to be involved in, in some capacity. But I think video games, especially um, because it is a newer industry and because um, some of the companies were quite, to be quite honest, founded by folks who maybe their skill sets aren't as focused on overall running a, a, successful well-oiled institution or more focused on the the end goals um you know i i think that's where you've encountered a number of those issues and that's not even to include all the rampant sexism racism and all the other stuff that's involved in it so um you know it, it's definitely an industry that needs to be uh sorted out with time and and have right people in place and and it's good that there's people, folks keeping an eye on it to ensure that that's actually happening uh, because um, unfortunately it rakes in a lot of money. And once you bring in that kind of money, uh, there's not a lot of incentive to make some of those changes. So um, good point, Jack. But in the interest of not 
allowing this to do, evolve into something that's actually a progressive, interesting conversation. We want to delve it back down to the crap level that is most hated of 2023. So, gentlemen, I know, again, that you haven't played nearly as shitty a games as I have. In fact, the fact that I would dare bring Neon White up into arguably my top five for worst games I've played this year tells you kind of like everything about my taste in video games. But I have to tell you, of the few that will make my top three here, one of the ones that does stand out was so bad that I couldn't actually complete the first level of that. And that was Empire of Sin, which may as well have been a phone game. Jack gave me plenty of shit on this because apparently it scored in the 60s on official critical review. But I have to tell you, if there was one title that like should have been a no-brainer that somehow was just so bad that like I couldn't even like get through. Like I said, I, I played some really bad games. I just said I played probably 40 hours of Just Cause 4 and I did not enjoy that game. So usually I have that ability to ram my head into the wall until finish. But with this, it just wasn't happening. And it kills me right now because I have Mafia 2 downloaded and I considered firing it up numerous times. And I'm actually so damaged by playing Empire of Sin and because it has a similar aesthetic, I haven't been able to launch it. So Mafia 2 is supposed to be really bad as in like. I even heard like the original Mafia 2 was like, okay. But the remastered, they have somehow made it worse than the original. So, um, yeah, I don't want this pod next year to be any longer than it has to. So maybe just steer away from that one. <laughs> I almost owe it to myself to fire it up just to torment Jack from my favorite podcast of the year. Good to know, um, though. Appreciate it. Yeah, Empire. Man, all you got to do is like shoot me a text with if you're on the fence about a game, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, much like you described journalists being watchdogs for the video game industry, somebody of our contingent needs to be the watchdog of the crap that gets ignored on PlayStation Network and Xbox Pass or whatever free services are available. So, yeah. Dung Eater. The world needs one. So. Matt, Matt's just stepping up. Um, um, I'll veer a different direction. Uh, and and maybe you guys have experienced this this year, but um, I'm going to go uh, glitches. Glitches. Defective games. One thing I thought was interesting with all the discourse about Boulder's Gate 3, um, and I, I know the first act is, is um, considered the cleanest in the game, but I actually experienced more glitches playing Spider-Man 2 um, than I did Boulder's Gate 3, which I thought that was, I don't know, noteworthy. Um, but I'm not talking about either of those games because neither of those games really like were affected by the glitches I experienced in them. Whereas one, probably my most anticipated game of 2023, uh, Case of the Golden Idol. I was so excited to play this game. And about two thirds of the way through it, I was thinking that there was a good shot that it was going to end up either maybe even in my top five, more, more realistically, probably my top 10 for the year. And then I encountered um, a game breaking glitch where I realized that if I went back to the exit screen of the game and I should, I should uh, clarify that I played this on switch uh, where I don't, 
feel like a lot of people have played it before. Now, this is a known glitch. It has been uh, talked about on Reddit. But when I read about it on Reddit, supposedly it had already been fixed. Um, and I downloaded it after the conversation that I read about had taken place. But this, this glitch destroyed my game. Um, because before I figured out what was going on, I reset my progress three times. So, or I reset my progress twice. So I basically I played through the game three times. And then I realized that because the DLC is attached to the game, there was no way for me to even access the separate DLC I paid for without going back to this screen. And so it just completely obliterated what was um, really a just very creative and fun game. And um, I just, just so disappointing. Um, all I can say is at this point, I have, I am at least aware of what the glitch is. So I've, I basically took not only the the game itself, I took the entire save information off my Switch and re-downloaded the game. And I'm thinking sometime in like a year from now when I've forgotten forgotten the game, I'll I'll try and give it another shot and I'll test it out really early on to see if this is something that's still affecting it. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's basically 20 bucks and four or five hours of my time that I feel like got completely, you know, overshadowed by this just really frustrating thing. Yeah, um, in the terms of glitches for 2023, my mine was definitely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge, um, which was a shame because honestly, the multiplayer experience with that, I mean, this is the same calendar year that I, I played through, you know, It Takes Two as well. Uh, still haven't beaten that, by the way, going back to those controller issues with the drift, but um, but no, um, Shredder's Revenge, I mean, honestly, like the multiplayer experience with that was just below i mean in terms of overall enjoyment just because of the nostalgia hit and the joy of having you know us all three being able to join in plus your kids jack but god every time we tried to do that it would freeze up at the same points and it happened so many times to the point where i ended up having to beat that game playing it by myself one random evening and that's not a game to play by yourself. It's it's pretty dull. It's pretty boring. And it, it's night and day between the multiplayer experience. And that was such a pisser because uh, overall, like I said, I thought they put a lot of thought into that. But when we experienced that glitch again, like you had said with your example, um, you know, that that's something that should have been addressed because it was pretty well known by that point. It wasn't like it was brand new at launch. So, um, but that really derailed that title for me because otherwise... Like I said, I, I thought that actually did everything you want for that kind of a game. Dave, did you have any uh, glitches you experienced in 2023? Yeah, The Expanse. Um, the first 90 minutes, that tutorial, and then like the second stage of the tutorial, like I got through. And then uh, when I went to go restart it, like the save file was gone. So I had to start it again. <laughs> The tutorial that sucks. Yeah. So I think like when I realized like I just put the game down for that day and I left it alone for like two or three days before I was like, okay, uh I think I'm ready to come back and revisit it. Um another thing I hated about that game and I never got to touch base, it's not a glitch, but uh you can't just save your progress. Like you have to get through the chapter. And those chapters can be pretty long. 
and sometimes it can be pretty slow. And even though like you're in this really cool setting that you appreciate, like uh, doing it like for a very long time becomes just kind of mind numbing, you know, maybe I'm just like too used to like games like Rocket League or Monster Hunter or Spider-Man 2 or that kind of stuff. But um, the reality is like uh, not being able to save like at any point and just like pick it up, like feels like such an old concept and it kind of feels okay with older games because that's how they're designed. But like in the modern day, like I hated the fact that I had to like spend potentially another 20 minutes when I should go to sleep because I got to work early. But the problem is like, do I just toss away like 20 minutes of video game that I just played going through some tedious, you know? So like, it really kind of put me in some positions um, I didn't really appreciate the tutorial twice. <laughs> like I understand tutorials, like they got to be there. Some sections, uh, you know, some of them suck. Some are like not bad. Some, you know, some, the best ones you don't realize you're playing a tutorial, you know? And, um, but yeah, this one, you realize you're playing a tutorial and like, I'm telling you, bro, like no matter how cool it is to drift out in space, when you have to do it twice, like over a long distance, <laughs> just kind of like, I, why am I doing this? Um, I don't think I got the plan on it and I don't intend to. So, but yeah, that, the, that, that was probably the worst glitch I experienced. I'm trying to think about grounded. I don't think there was anything in grounded. Oh, there was, we would drop every now and then, but yeah, but not in game breaking just, really. You can't compare a game where three people, two of whom are playing on different, you know, we're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, online play a game that was still pretty new uh, in terms of like how far along the uh, you know, how far along it had been out. I don't know. I was very pleased with with the performance of grounded despite, I mean, yeah, there was obvious, there was obvious bugs beyond the ones in the garden. You know, there's always going to be glitches in games. I think that's something you just have to accept as a gamer. Um, It's whether or not it's game breaking, you know, or, or game breaking like, it changes the the dynamic of how you feel about the game, I guess is more appropriate. Or it, or it can be game breaking because with Disco yeah. Elysium, there was a game breaking bug where like you just couldn't get past this mission. And without doing this mission, you can't keep it's where you find your badge, you know, in the, in the car that's like under the ice. So, um, but yeah, that was my, that was one of the many things I disliked about, you know, telltale. And I hear their new game is, equally as horrible if not worse so unfortunately that company is kind of i think sliding back into a position of garbage (laughs) well they were dead weren't they so i mean yeah you can't imagine that they bounced back to 100 percent after uh after nearly being shuttered but that that's a bummer man that's a two-time loser for you on this list already so Um, what about genres? I mean, obviously this is all based on our own experience for 2023, but was there any genre that stood out to you that you just some didn't find anything that you enjoyed in it that you, or you attempted to? Uh, mine leads into Diablo four. Usually I love looters like loot. It, it, for me, like a good looter, like ends up becoming like, crack cocaine you keep chasing that next hit because 
you find out like a new version of the weapon you have is out that's got rerolled numbers on it and it makes you more powerful and adds a healing effect for every bullet that hits or some shit like that like that i kind of lived for that stuff for a while um and i think that was proven in diablo 3 division 1 division 2 like those were like three big games where like you're running the same thing over and over and over again in hopes that you get better loot and the thing with diablo 4 and um look i turned it on i i first started playing it and i was like this is awesome like this is much different than the last game but it just never really capitalized on it it just kind of kept it at the same level uh there's never some point where i was like okay it went from this into this and that second part is better it always stayed consistently kind of meh but um the other problem was like the loot the loot was very poor in the game um what something is notoriously like like you want huge mobs because the whole point in that game is to create a character that can destroy huge mobs and then that helps you get loot faster and like just this constant shifting of mob size or what kind of loot that the bosses were dropping in couple with a uh in-game store mechanic that is just obnoxiously overpriced I think was something that really kind of pissed off a lot of people, including me, you know, to the point where it's like, I really lost interest in that game pretty quick. Um, Me and another group, uh, Dennis and two of his friends, we ended up like getting through the whole game together. Um, But it just was not something I think I could do. Jack used to catch me on Diablo three, like running through like, the same five levels for the fourth time in a row because you know i was getting good drops or i got some part of a piece of equipment that all of a sudden unlocked like a new superpower in my character and all of a sudden now i'm on another level and you never get that experience in diablo 4 as easily as you do in diablo 3 division 1 division 2 so i felt like those game that game or that genre for me personally took a step back this year you know something that i usually in high regard i'm kind of excited to play you know get into like what i can do with this engine like just became something that i just was like okay i'm not you know i got it i beat it there's not much that's keeping me involved with this so um i guess i could kind of well a genre within a genre uh, the 2d puzzle platformer um is, is something i've always loved i think the two best examples i can give are uh are limbo and inside I just thought those games were brilliant, but I've played a fair amount of like, uh, you know, light versions of that over the years. This year, a game called Planet of Lana came out for free on Game Pass. It got a lot of hype, um, reviewed fairly well. And I think like the Xbox head even was like, oh, this is a great game. And meanwhile, I played it and I was just like, whoa, these puzzles are so boring. It's like there's, there's nothing here I haven't done almost like not the exact same version of, but something very similar of in, in other games before, uh, you know, like stepping on a freaking, you know, stepping on a, on a, on a, a, either grabbing a pulley or stepping on a pad to unlock a door and how you got to push a box on that. It's like, Oh my God, how many times are we going to do this? So I can totally see why somebody who's never explored this genre would, would check out this game and be like, oh, this is cool. It's really pretty. The, the game has a gorgeous aesthetic. Uh, but for me, it was a, it was a pretty big disappointment because I was kind of like, oh, this is the next one of these, you know. 
I like these, but um, just just no creativity in terms of in terms of crafting the puzzles themselves. But I should note, I only got about halfway through that game, so maybe it did something interesting in the second half. <laughs> um, you know, for me, the genre that I just couldn't find anything that I enjoyed in 2023 was uh, RTS, uh, real-time strategy. Um, you know, obviously, there's plenty of great games out there in that genre, and the ones I played were terrible games from years years <laughs> years prior that were available for free but um it just maybe it stood out to me like how huge of a gap there is between the great titles in that genre versus everything that just like attempts to be in that realm it's really tough to like play the great rts's on a console though I mean, RTSs are really kind of designed for, for PC, something where you can, you know, have a keyboard at your disposal, a mouse. And um, I'll just say, I played a really damn good RTS this year. And it didn't start off as one. It started off as a puzzle game called Humanity. And Humanity, which is free on PlayStation Network, probably the best best game I got off that service this year, uh, slowly begins implementing RTS um mechanics as the game goes on and they do it i don't know in a way that i just found was kind of fascinating and and just i don't know the blend of puzzle and rts battles in that game was really exciting for me and um yeah you should play it matt it's on my system and yeah you bring up an excellent point because i was going to say like i know the huge part of it is because i play it on console and that you know some of those games like are limited in the control um, and again, I, I really, really need to emphasize that I played some really terrible RTS titles. These aren't like your top of the, the line ones, but um, for whatever, like I said, I think it just really stood out to me, like just how big of a departure, like you go into another realm, like a, your worst, like FPS versus like the top of the line one. Obviously there's glaring differences, but usually there's a little bit of charm buried in there. Like this to me, it was like there was nothing. Like these were games I immediately jumped off of, and I'm notorious for sticking around and trying to slog through games all the time. So the fact that I couldn't bring myself to do that with any of these um, tells you should tell you everything about my take on that. So one I had to ask all three of you boy or all three of us here collectively, what was the worst music? in a video game that you experienced this year in 2023. Uh, I have to think, hold on. You, you yeah. Know, Matt, if you could like jammer on for a sec while I try to figure out something, but um, yeah, why well, don't you go first, Matt? <laughs> Just trying to buy time, you know, you don't feel the rush, you know, you know, heaven isn't a trip to you. <laughs> oh man, that's a great soundtrack. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god! No, I, to be honest, actually, uh, that soundtrack was pretty awesome through and through, and and it saves itself by the fact that it doesn't stop. Like if the fact that it doesn't reset itself is what keeps it going, even though it gets a little repetitive, and obnoxious at times. It's also just enough in the background where like it's pretty easy to tune it out as you go um i actually well i was gonna say like 
there wasn't too much that stood out to me as absolute worst. There's a lot of it that stood out to me that it was kind of criminal, just how minimal it was. Um, you know, my experience with Doom Eternal was, was quite excellent, but it was a shame that they lost their composer, Mick Gordon, from the first one uh, midway through the development of that game. I know I complained about it before when I reviewed the title, but but as a result, like it was a real shame that you lost that element of the Doom experience that really kind of uh, made it made it not achieve the level it deserved to be at. Uh, similar to uh, Wolfenstein, you know, another Bethesda title, but like barely even noticed there was a soundtrack to it. And that, again, it's a game where you go around blowing away Nazis. Like it should be a no brainer to at least just have some sort of soundtrack that keeps, you know, amps you up, keeps you wanting to progress through it. But it, it just, I can't even recall music in that game. Uh, that's how minimal it was. Um, so those two in particular jump out to me. All right. I got a few. Um, I got to give it up for, for, uh, Goaty, Witcher three, where I would be like 300 yards outside of a battle and like huge bombastic epic music we playing as I like wander through a garden. And then I'd like, I'd greet like some NPC who'd be talking to me about his boring day. That definitely sticks out of my head. <laughs> Just because out of place it was. Um, I really thought what they did in a hi-fi rush, I've talked glowingly about this game throughout the year, was excellent. Um, the way they incorporate the music into the, the beats and into the combat of that game is fantastic. But one of the things I was most excited about that game was is that I had read that they used Nine Inch Nails, The Perfect Drug, which is an excellent song that I really like. I've liked it since it came out over 20 years ago. And somehow, whatever they did with the combat and tried to like blend it into the game, it did not work at all for me. I felt so disjointed as I was trying to fight. I, I, forget, I only remember who I was fighting during The Perfect Drug, but that was definitely a that was definitely a sobering moment, and then um, finally I will give it up for uh, Forza Five because all the times I go back to driving in Grand Theft Auto games and how amazing the soundtrack was as as you know as I was younger and in my prime and playing through Forza Five and just realizing how old and out of touch my taste of music is because not one song on Forza. Forza five <laughs> sounded good for me. And they even threw in like, they even threw me a bone. They had like this, like clearly the radio station that was supposedly designed for me because it had like an offspring song that was off like their 14th album or something. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like these guys are even older than me. I can hear it. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was my trifecta of, of bad music this year. So mine is uh, actually from, like my favorite video game of all time, if you consider how many hours I played, you know, 1,439. So Monster Hunter World has a reoccurring rotation of seasonal festivals. And most of these are pretty dope. Like, you know, just uh, it just kind of changes the overall atmosphere of the hub that you're in. The music changes. Well, right now it's on the fall one, which has got a kind of like spooky you know, kind of based more around Halloween type theme. And 
usually the music i love it like i've met so many players that hate it they turn it off but like i just i thrive and wallow in it like a pig wallows and shit you know it's like give me more of it but not this not this festival my friends like this one the first time it came on i was like oh this is pretty cool it's like dun 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 and then you know like so you hear this and you're like oh yeah halloween stuff there's like ghosts everything's all green lit you know and it's like you know what cool festivals are popping up what missions can i play and then all of a sudden you realize like they've just like looped this over and over and over again and unlike with the other festivals like it's not set up to be made in a loop where you just kind of end up like considering you know you just stop paying attention you just enjoy the ambiance of it and but no this one so it's always got this jarring like dun, 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 and you're just like oh fuck like is why i'm leveling up so fast is like i hate the music so much that i'm just like trying to run missions as fast as humanly possible this is very reminiscent of how i feel whenever you talk about this game dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> on rotation over and over that's that's what goes on in my head dude <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome but i'm probably still gonna talk about this game for till i die so but yeah dun, so dun, you know that dun, dun. <laughs> um I gotta say, I'm pretty fortunate. Like, I there's not a soundtrack I've heard, you know, that's really kind of put me off. Like, Dredge, like all the horror games I played, did such a good job. Um, Resident Evil Four's soundtrack was gorgeous. Um, I even enjoyed Telltale's because some of it's based off the original soundtrack. So, um, and Diablo's Four, like, their that music in there was fucking awesome. I got to give it that. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, that was hard to pick. But, you know, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I got the perfect one. And then I'm pretty sure any sort of Rocket League song, but I have that option muted. So, yeah, I think that was the first thing you told me, actually, when I fired that game up, was turn the music off immediately. So, um, now, Jack, you, you hit the nail on the head with Forza. That the other title that jumped out to me was Watch Dogs Two. Even though uh, there are a few tracks in there that make my list of best music tracks of 2023, which we'll cover another time. Um, the overall soundtrack, like I thought, I at least kind of had a general idea of like you know music as a whole, but I didn't recognize a damn thing. And that's an old game, so <laughs> it really just hammered home like just how out of touch i am with anything somewhat modern or electronic or just of you know a wide variety of of musical tastes that just don't touch anything i'm into i mean unless it was made in an 80s action movie apparently it doesn't make my playlist anymore so i uh (laughs) i was driving home uh today and they uh but the, the girls were in the back seat, and uh, the 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 Vice City uh, song uh, "Flock of Seagulls" comes on, and I get all excited. I look around, and it's back at the girls, and they're both looking at me like, "What is this crap?" It's like, God damn it! Too bad I wasn't in that car. I'd have been jacked with yeah. you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that song's so sick. 
<laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely old now. <laughs> um, well, there's countless things to hate in video games, but you know, I think we're getting close to the end of it. One that I did want to ask about though, before we kind of get into our final list here, um, controls. Were there any uh control schemes and or like general inputs that bothered you for your year of gaming in 2023. I, I I'll go first. I mean, this is if I can levy one actual legit criticism that has nothing to do with plot or character design to neon white. As tight as the controls were in many parts, there were definitely some lags in that for a game that requires so much damn precision. That, Nonsense. Yeah, I absolutely disagree with you. Completely your Jack. I think that if you're willing to hammer yourself to the bone to get to a place where you can make those inputs happen at the microsecond necessary to make them happen every time, they're probably great. For me, especially for me, coming off of playing a number of FPS titles in my own right, and you know, kind of being familiar with that sort of control scheme, there were definitely some times where I know for smack. I hit a button and it didn't get input. And I haven't experienced that in a long time in gaming. And that bothered me, uh, mainly because timing is so, so damn critical in that game. Uh, I think Dave would be the true test because he is the FPS master of our bunch. But that was my experience of that. And maybe it's because I just suck at it. Maybe we'll just blame it on the frame rate for the TV. It's not, it's not good enough. That's, that's his internet I mean. was probably hiccuping. Yeah, that's probably one of the audience. If we have any regulars listening to us right now, they know all about they know all about our host's internet connection. Um, I would say for me, like okay, um, even though I played Spider Man one, like I think Spider Man two, like I, I struggled through the first third of the game with the controls. And even then, like I never fully utilized a lot of the swing stuff as much. Um because one, like there's a glider effect in there. So you kinda like at some points you just kinda abandon swinging because it's far easier just to like well, one, it's easier to fast travel, but you know, as cool as that is, like it's not. Um but it was just like so much of the the swinging aspect is like hold this down like they even put in a move where you hit like you hold down o and then you hit left on your joystick on your left joystick and it either swings you square with the building you know where it's like if you're going to make a sharp left turn that's how you do it and it just it got to a point where i was just fumbling everything because despite playing rocket league where i'm utilizing two fingers and two thumbs or four fingers and two thumbs and then monster hunter world you know i'm utilizing one finger or two fingers and two thumbs like for spider-man 2 it was just like i felt like there's just no real easy way for me to grasp that and maybe i'm just too smooth brain nowadays i don't know but yeah i kind of struggled with that for the first third and then like the second third or the rest of it i just pretty much was able to like get what I needed out of it without maximizing like the potential of it. So 
Yeah, I can actually attest to that, and and that's more of a you know a uh, <laughs> comment on how we are very uh, attuned to like complicated control systems because Spider Man it throws a lot of new mechanics. Like you're constantly unlocking new skills that they're just. I think they like expect you to actually practice them. But I mean, come on, if you know me as a gamer, if it doesn't just like if it's not essential to getting exactly what i knew to do right away i'm pretty much skipping any kind of like tutorial that uh you know i have to do myself so yeah i I definitely ignore probably two-thirds of the uh, traversal mechanics in spider-man 2 whatever neon white's controls sucked (laughs) (laughs) that's but you know what that's probably what i like there's like four inputs i'm just like yep yeah, I, like I said, that that one is is borderline because there are some points of it where it's incredible, but there were definitely some points where I feel like it felt a little off to me. You know, yeah. you and Dave both mentioned that I I didn't experience that, but um, you know, um, yeah, maybe you guys are just more uh, in tune with you know little little. Well, I think the the fire buns are L one, isn't it? Or is it L two? To fire? Um, I I don't recall. I'm pretty sure I changed it. So yeah, well, that's why I'm having a hard time complaining because I know like all of these, you can switch up most of the controls to like fit something that might be a little bit more comfortable for you. So yeah, well, specifically with for me, it was the inputs themselves. Like I, there were definitely points where I thought I had made the jump and it, yeah. it just wouldn't lock. Yeah. That was the part that bothered me. And I don't think it would have stood out. Like, I, I think actually a lot of games probably have similar inputs. I think it's because of the nature of that game where it's so hyper-focused on making every little second count that I think it just stood out to me how much more, like, there is that small small moment there. And, you know... See, I, I think this is uh, an excellent opportunity to just blame Sony for their shitty controllers again. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair here, enough. Here. Okay. I'm wearing. Yeah. I don't hate San Esposito. Blame it on Sony Entertainment. <laughs> All right, boys. I have to ask: Do we have? Uh, I know you play. You both play genuinely good games, so I won't expect you to have a top five. But could you both assemble a top three worst games for 2023? I could yeah. assemble a a three games that did not appeal to me. <laughs> All right, Jack. What three games did not <laughs> appeal to you? <laughs> Jack coming on coming out strong. Um, unpacking. Uh, well, no, you know what? I'll go Planet Lana, Planet of Lana, because that I I feel like is legitimately. If you have experience with that genre, I feel like it is a bad game. Um, if you don't, then it's a great intro for that for that genre. Uh, unpacking. Oh man, just. Like this is like one of those indie darlings that you see a lot of critics talk about how amazing it is and the way they told the narrative without actually saying any words. And meanwhile, I'm like pulling clothes out of a box and putting them on the shelf and they're telling me they don't belong there. I'm just like, what the hell is this? And and I really, and just the fact that I'm watching Dave, Dave, cut his toenails as I'm talking about this really kind of sums up my experience with unpacking where it's (laughs) it's not like, it's not like it was like, 
<laughs> it's not like it hurt me actually, but I still found it offensive on some <laughs> primordial level that <laughs> sorry, Jack. <laughs> I didn't mean to disrespect you, man. I'm sorry. I didn't think you guys could uh, see that. <laughs> It's all right. At least you're not shaking a water bottle vigorously like a few weeks back. <laughs> um, uh, my number one worst game of the year was Chinatown Detective Agency, a game that I was actually pretty excited about because I read this. Uh, it, it ended up on a couple like best of the year lists. And basically, like the whole tagline was like, you're this detective that goes through all these different mysteries. But the... Um, the catch of the game is that they offer clues within the game that you have to look up in real life online and like find out information on, on like stamps or like places in the world and take that information and find back online and, and go and input it. And I get it. It was, it was a novel idea. Sounds like where in the world is Carmen San Diego kind of. Yeah. I, I did see some comparisons to that. Um, yeah. Although I, it's, my my experience with that game is incredibly limited, so I can't really comment. What's well, a but, really limited game? <laughs> so. Well, I just thought the writing, the graphics, I thought everything just came off super amateur. And it was really like, it's a cool idea that they try to incorporate. But they didn't really do anything interesting with it as far as like puzzle solving or or coming up with some sort of, you know, um, gameplay loop that actually made me feel engaged. Um, once again, you know, there's a reason I insist that this is games that did not appeal to me because there's some uh, reviewers who thought this game was awesome and it was, you know, on, on their like top 10 list of the year. For me, I, I would honestly, I got it for free and I still felt like I paid too much. So is that three or did you have two there? My apologies, Jack. Oh, well, I already talked about Planet Alana, so... Okay, uh, perfect. Just wanted to make sure we... I like Power Wash Simulator uh, on that list, but, I mean, realistically, I knew exactly what I was getting into when I fired that one up. That was more just, like, me indulging. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was was really just like, you know what? I'm just going to try something really way off. (laughs) Thought this would be like, what's your three? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I, I had a similar experience of Power Wash Simulator with, uh, I think it's called Car Mechanic Simulator or something. And similar sort of deal where it was just like, oh, this might actually be kind of neat. You know, tinker around with it, you know. And within the first, like, 15 minutes, I was like, this is just so bad. I, I'm not even going to bother, like, giving it a fair shot. Uh, uh, Dave, you have a top three for us. Yes, I do. Uh from least hated to most hated and when i say hated like just many more aspects i disliked than completely disliking the whole game so it's gonna go um number one diablo 4 two telltale series the expanse and three is going to be um final fantasy 16 Damn, dude, you put probably a hundred hours into those games combined. That is just, dude, I don't even know how to respond to that. Your guys is, you know, we all have different strengths, Jack. You know, some of us do some things better than others. And uh, somehow 
one of mine is dumping hundreds of hours into a game that I'm not completely satisfied with. Like, well, we can tell definitely tell you gave us your a true opinion on the matter versus so many <laughs> titles out there that you know only gets like an hour or two, and it's like, nah, I think I have the whole thing figured out. Like, we know for certain you have an opinion on Final Fantasy 16. Uh, still remarkable that you were considering it to be nominated for Game of the Year. Um, I don't think it made your list, but uh, the fact that you even considered that it had a chance uh, based on your experience. Says well, something. I mean, so much like Resident Evil 4, just like, sorry, leaves that in the dust. You know, like, I'm sure Baldur's Gate is going to crush that. Spider-Man 2 is so much more fun. So I think, yeah, um, started off super strong with Grounded. Wasteland 3, you know, kind of, you know, Dredge was a lot of fun. Hit uh, hit a tiny, actually not tiny, it was, a, it was like Final Fantasy 16 came out and then Diablo 4 came out, you know, and those are both like two games that are my most hated. And then, uh, what did I play right after that? And then I played Telltale at some point, so, um, yeah, no. It seemed like all that was kind of concentrated, like tail in the or through summer up to like you know fall and it seems like the last two games you know three games i'm gonna be playing are like gonna be fantastic so i know we only put a few hours into it but i'm shocked and maybe it's because of all the uh hate we've given to sony over the over the course of this pod that somehow halo infinite managed to dodge all the bullets we've thrown i just i i thought about it really hard and then i was like i don't feel like i played enough halo infinite for me to like yeah um i have my initial like distaste for how big the world was and how kind of like it just didn't seem very entertaining to have to like go through all that you know um especially dragging jack behind with me you know where he's (laughs) hesitantly playing through this but still checking it out with the boy. So I got to give him props for that. Um, but yeah, I thought about Halo Infinite for a good hard minute. And I was like, you know, I just, I haven't put a hundred hours into it. Like, how do I know at some point I'm not going to like the game, you know? So. Dave is maturing. <laughs> well, and coming off of back-to-back years of playing some solid titles throughout so i mean i I definitely get why it's difficult for you boys to put together this list last two years have been for me as far as video games go so love our our ethical podcast that (laughs) it just throws out highly offensive showing our age jack showing our age that wasn't Um, offensive when i was younger (laughs) my apologies the last two years of video gaming has been fantastic. Um, I will give you a top five because after all, I am the Dung Defender and this is what I do. I play shitty games and honestly, I would play a lot more shitty games this calendar year had I not have to spend a quarter of it playing Witcher 3 and all its DLCs because of our friend Dave here. Um, you know, Jack... I want to put it in there, but I'm going to leave it as an honorable mention. I'm going to not consider Neon White to be my most hated. I will say, I will say though, (laughs) I have never experienced a title where I started off so jacked on it and fell off so damn hard. And you boys have put me on blast over the fact that it's very evident based on my times for completing levels when I completely checked out on that game. Because it, it reaches a point, like you had said, Jack, earlier. It's like, yeah, you can skip all the plot. You can skip everything. 
And then it just became, then what the fuck am I doing with myself? <laughs> that every time I fire this up, it just feels like torture because I just keep dying and dying and hating every second of this. So it's an 8.5 title. I'd recommend it to many people. But it definitely makes my list of consideration and, you know, as an alternate for my top five most hated titles of 2023. But to be fair, another title that fits almost all those categories that I mentioned before, Just Cause 4, and is an older title. And, you know, some people really liked it. I absolutely hated it. I thought it was boring as hell and repetitive and way too long. Um, You know, it just felt like, you know, I think that it was a precursor to what people can experience in GTA five online. Um, you know, if you're really into that sort of just like, uh, like kind of off the cuff, like outlandish sort of like action where you can just kind of almost do anything with the environment you want. That has no appeal to me at all. And the mission structure itself was just very dull and very repetitive. And again, incredibly long to get through a campaign. So uh, that's my number five. Number four is a terrible um, stealth game called Party Hard. Um, again, there's a novelty to it for like the first like first mission. It seems like it might be neat, and the levels are procedurally generated, so that's kind of cool when you die and you go back, and it's a little different. But it's poor design in that when some of these levels are generated, some of them are actually generated in a way that's like next to impossible to complete. It seems or are just frustrating from the outright. So um, that one didn't last very long. Um, Evil Geniuses 2, or Evil Genius 2, I should say. This is one of my run of impressively awful RTS games throughout. Uh, you know, maybe could have been interesting on a computer. I somehow seem to doubt it. Um, it just seemed like it had a lot of fanciful ideas that just didn't really work when you're you're playing through it. You spend more time going through menus than you do actually like making things happen. And I think that's always like a hang up for certain RTSs where if you're going to go the menu route, it better be like really in depth. And this is still trying to be cheerful and playful and fun, which you don't really get for that kind of thing. So bad middle ground there. Of course, overshadowed by Empire of Sin, another RTS that was so bad that I pretty much had to swear off the, you know, 1940s to 1920s gangster genre as a whole. Um, talked about that extensively. But my number one worst title of 2023, another RTS, John Wick. John Wick. Really? Really? So damn bad. I heard it was fun. Oh, that's no. a shame. No, it is so dreadful. Like, again, it's for a game based on movies that are nothing but pure fun from open to close. They somehow meant to be the most dull, mundane experience and diff way too difficult for something that should have just been the most basic run and gun. And you get none of that. You're not talking about John Wick Hex, correct? You're you are. Oh, yeah, that game did get some people like that game. <laughs> <laughs> some people like that game. I'm sure there are people that like that game, but, you know, there's also people who clearly liked some of these other titles. Just Cause 4 did pretty well when it came out, but it makes my list the most hated. And John Wick Hex, I just didn't see the charm in it. Like I said, I absolutely adore a lot of titles in that genre, but I just think that it, it doesn't do justice to what you was trying to emulate. And, you know. I told my dad to go watch John Wick 4 the other day, and I saw him, and he's like, 
Yeah, I watched John Wick 4, and I started to get really excited, because he usually has excellent taste in movies. It's like, God, it was so bad. And I was like, <laughs> what? It was amazing. What are you talking about? He's like, I don't know what they did with that one. It was like, it was like an hour long fight and then another hour long fight. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you just described why it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Conversation didn't go the way I wanted it to. (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen. And you know, it it surprises me. People thought that one was great. Cause like I said, that was another one that I could not get through. I got through, I think, two levels of that and just had to shut it off. It was so bad. Well, boys, 2023, now that we've uh, gone through the hate, we over. get into the positivity. So, yeah. you know, looking forward to our kind of end of the year recaps coming up very soon here. Of I course, contracted we'll- pneumonia to try and get out of this. And you guys still won't let me get out. Good, good. Fight time! Fight time! This right, I won't have to sit through the shit. I bet on, I bet, I bet on Monday he was like, "Please just go ahead and do it without me." And then we're like, "No, we'll we'll wait till Friday, buddy, so you're healthy." And he's like, "Fine." <laughs> I was on the fence. I was. I, was <laughs> I did want to talk about Talos Principle too. He really just wanted to be here to defend Neon White because he was that and that, that too. Was yeah, if you guys had gone, if you had gone unchecked on Neon White, that would have been. Uh, <laughs> I would have been listening to the pod like, like probably like today, just like what the f- sons of bitches <laughs> <laughs> with the kids behind in the back seat. What the, those motherfuckers? <laughs> um, I I have a suggestion. So we all pick a game for all of us to play. Awesome. I really appreciate, you know, this part of our relationship within the podcast. I suggest that, like, somewhere near the end of the year, we play the worst rated video game. Like, not, we don't pick one out. Like, we all three of us play the worst rated video game if it doesn't cost too much money or some shit like that. And just have fun with that. I don't know. It's an idea. I could see Jack just smiling in confusion and matt's like just thinking about how bad of an idea this no is. I, I i urge you dave the next time you have a day off and i know you have a number of days off coming up here very soon just download one of those games from that list i just gave you and try I, it out for one hour I and then get back to me about I that's why it might be fun it'll give us all like a common hating you know denominator like We'll, we'll be able to anchor this episode. I don't know. It was an idea. You don't have to go through with it. Jack, I'm you super down. You, yeah, I'm super down. You know I love some dog shit. It's you boys who are going to be the ones suffering. Jack looks just so perplexed. He got his hand on his forehead like, ah. Dave, I got enough shit in my life. I, <laughs> I got pneumonia. I got kids. Like, <laughs> man, now I got to play a shitty video game. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. Well, on that high point. You got awesome kids. <laughs> Spin Couch Co-op video game podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Take care.
Dave and I were reliving the greatest uh, season of fantasy basketball ever when <laughs> when the servers for Flea Flicker got flooded by a hurricane oh, when you were commissioned. <laughs> and the worst group of 16 people were just in your ear constantly about how they couldn't set their lineups for the first two weeks. <laughs> Literally a national disaster has been declared. <laughs> People in an entire city are suffering. And I go on, and all you assholes have sent me emails about what a dick commissioner I am because you guys couldn't set your lineups because their servers were down. It went for like two days. It was like the first week, I remember, because some people were threatening to quit. They were like, this is bullshit. Like, I picked this guy up on waivers and he came and started. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was messed up. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>